Christmas Sunday, and we're going to dig into the book of Psalms. Most of you know that for the past year, we've been studying our way through the Bible, one book each Sunday. And of all things today, and we did arrange it this way, but to fit our series so that on Christmas Sunday, we would be in the glorious book of Psalms. You know what happened 21 years ago today? The World Wide Web was launched on Christmas Day 21 years ago. Someone had the brainstorm in the 70s that there should be a collective uh, gathering of information uh, stored centrally, but available universally. And I thought today, as we come to the book of Psalms, This, the Bible, is information collectively stored in a central place available universally. And apart from this being central to all of our learning, all the other learning will make us nothing more than highly educated barbarians. Amen? We need the Bible. If you've got your Bible, I want you to get your hands on it. And I'd like you, if you don't, take a Bible from in front of you there. And I want us all to lift up the Word of God. This is our information source. The collective gathering of information stored centrally and available universally. Amen? Amen. Now, if you would, turn right to the middle. And of all things, the middle book is the book of Psalms. It's central not only to the Bible, it is central to our lives. Right down the middle of our lives, there's something in the book of Psalms for everyone. No matter where you are emotionally this morning, there is a song for you. If you are young, there's a song for you. If you're older, there's a psalm for you. If you are rejoicing, there's a song for you. If you are sorrowing, there's a song. If you're distressed, depressed, oppressed, there's a song for you. If you are disgusted with life, there's a song for you. If you're angry at the world, there's a song for you. If you feel like everyone has turned their back on you, there's a song for you right here in this book. And the amazing thing is there, it's not only a song, it is designed to connect you with God right from wherever you are, a hotline right toward God. And right in the middle of our Bible is where they're located. And it's because this book is designed to drop right down in the middle of our lives. The book of Psalms. Martin Luther Loved the Bible, but he called the book of Psalms the Bible in miniature. John Calvin said it's the anatomy of all parts of the soul. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it the prayer book of the Bible. The book of Psalms. Now, I realized this week that I have preached over 100 different messages from this one book. And this morning, we're trying to take one message to cover the whole thing. And this reminds me of when I took my family out west to visit the national parks. 
Some families go every year and they'll visit a different national park for a month. When the Hartleys went, we did seven national parks in ten days. We went from Bryce to Zion to Lake Powell to Monument Valley to Arches to the Grand Tetons to Yellowstone. Okay, get back in the car. It's time to go. That's enough of that. It's time to move on. What are you waiting for? You got your picture. Get in the car. You can go potty later. Get in the car. No, we're not almost there yet. Get in the car. Don't ask anymore. That was great. That was great. The hilarious thing is, we did six national parks in five days. I mean, why mess around? And then we hung out at the last one for five days. And we never got out of bed. No, just kidding. So this is kind of the Hartley-style vacation to take in the whole book of Psalms, all in one Sunday. All right. Now, for every book of the Bible, we do five things. It's a know this book, pray this book, Christ in the book, eat this book, and live this book. Yes, can you imagine? Hey, give him credit. He's listening. Know this book. We get an overview of the entire book. And for the book of Psalms, it's really quite simple. The book breaks in five sections. Not that there's anything to the sections, but they were pretty much the breaks of the scrolls that they were written on in no particular fashion, and those are listed for you. But the Psalms represent an enormous resource. David was the author of the majority of Psalms. In fact, he wrote 73 of them. 50 are anonymous, which leaves 27 to a host of others, including Moses, Asaph, and a few others. That's the know this book, just a quick overview. It's the song book. They were all written to be sung. Some are alphabetically written. That is, the first line of every sentence begins with the next letter of the uh, Hebrew alphabet, and those are listed for you. The pray this book, that's one of the easiest sections for the book of Psalms because every psalm is written to be prayed. Every psalm, it really, no matter, right now, you could draw a line, you could take the book of Psalms and every man, woman, and child on earth right now, you could draw a line between one of those psalms and that person and it will express their heart to God. It's incredible. So no matter where you're sitting this morning, there is a psalm for you. It's true. But particularly when we talk about praying this book all year long, we're looking at how to encounter God's manifest presence. And one of the clues I want to give you for the book of Psalms is every word that is in reference to moving closer or further from God is an expression of a desire to encounter God's manifest presence. Because you cannot move closer or further from God's omnipresence. You're always the same. It's always right there. So when it says, seek the Lord, that's striving for his manifest presence. When it talks about turning to the Lord or lifting up the Lord 
or drawing near to the Lord. All those expressions are expressions of desiring a closer encounter with God's manifest presence. And when it comes to Christ in this book, there are over 15 psalms that are messianic. Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. That was spoken the Father to the Son. Psalm 121 is a messianic psalm. Psalm 110 is a messianic psalm. Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for you. It's clearly the Father saying to the Son. And it was the most frequently quoted messianic scripture in the entire New Testament from the old into the new with Psalm 110 verse 1. But perhaps the greatest is Psalm 22. Psalm 22 It captures the words of Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's right there, written a thousand years before Jesus said it from the cross. David put it in Psalm 22. Also in Psalm 22, it says, My enemies surround me. They have gambled over my clothes. They have pierced my hands and feet. All my bones are exposed. How could that have been written A thousand years before, that was true of Jesus. It's because it's a messianic psalm. Christ is all over the book of Psalms. And then, eat this book. Yes, my friend, eat this book. There are verses in every book of the Bible that are worth memorizing. Now, you could say, well, the whole thing is God's Word. That's true. But some are more practical and more needed for our lives. I realized this week that I have memorized over 25 psalms. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 15. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens He has pitched a tent. Oh, I better stop. It goes on. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. You come to Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? You don't want me to stop, I know. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Psalm 27. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Psalm 32. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities are covered. Blessed is the man in whose spirit the Lord finds no deceit. Psalm 34. Oh, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Psalm 37. Depart from evil and pursue good. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul panteth after thee. Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Psalm 63, O God, I long for Thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen You in the sanctuary and beheld Your power and glory. Because Your love is better than life, my lips will praise You. And in Your name I lift up my hands. Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all you lands. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with love and kindness so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Oh, Don. Oh, just, just give me a moment. I'm, I'm just getting warmed up. Don't get me trotting too fast, man. Psalm 150. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Again, I say, praise the Lord. Praise God. What a book. What a book. So where do I camp out this morning? It's really kind of easy. you got to go to the most beloved psalm of all. I mean, this is Christmas. 
We got one shot this whole year at the book of Psalms. It's got to be the most applicable, the most loved, the most practical, the most longed for. Psalm 23. Turn with me in your Bibles, please. It's all built around the opening phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a highly personal psalm. Most are, actually. When you look at the psalms, most psalms are very personal. You knit me together in my mother's womb, Psalm 139. How personal can you get? Psalm 23 is personal. Everything is in the first person. The Lord is my shepherd. This is not theoretical. This isn't some little platitude. This is a highly personal psalm written, by the way, by a shepherd who knows what a shepherd does for the sheep and he could identify and he put his own title on God because he knew that God looked out for him the way he looked out for his sheep. And you know where his home was? Bethlehem. And by the way, I've got a piece of Bethlehem here. I got it last summer when I was over there. And this is just to let you know, Bethlehem rocks. Bethlehem rocks. Oh, come on. You can can clap louder than that. Come on. Bethlehem rocks. This is a stone I picked up from the shepherd's field. But David, in Bethlehem, that's his home. Keeping watch over his flocks by night, wrote Psalm 23. Hello. And he wrote it about a guy who would be born there a thousand years later. In fact, Psalm 23 is so personal that it moves from talking about God as He in the first half to talking about God as you in the second half. And once He goes there, He never goes back. This one who is His shepherd, His beloved shepherd, He makes me lie down. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. But then as he's thinking about all that he does for him, all his God does for him, he switches it to a more personal you. Your rod and your staff Comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. You guide me in paths of... No, you uh, lead me so that all the days of my life, goodness and love will follow me. It's all you in the last portion. Now listed for you today in the Live This Book section 
are all the ways that Psalms can be clustered. So that you can find your Psalm. But all of those are listed. All pointing to the fact that Jesus is the Lord, is the Shepherd, who will do all those things for you. When you need help, and by the way, 57 Psalms are crying out for help. Think of that. How often do you ask God for help? God loves it. Sometimes we think, oh, we shouldn't ask for help. Over one out of three, more than one out of three Psalms are cries for help. Perhaps that tells us something about what ought to dominate our prayer lives. It's okay. Now, there's almost as many that just give praise to God. So we ought to almost go from asking to help to praising. Asking to help, praise Him. But it's all because He's the Lord and He's the Shepherd. Now, if there's one gift I could give you today, if there's one gift I would want God to give you today, it's Christmas contentment. In our culture, you're not going to get it. Our culture promises fulfillment. Buy this, you'll be fulfilled. Get this, you'll be fulfilled. Get a new one of these, you'll be fulfilled. You'll be content. I guarantee you, if you have put your hope in things, you're going to end up New Year's Eve discontent. The fact of the matter is, there's only one way to find true contentment. It's when the Lord becomes your shepherd, you shall not want. He's all we need. One of the translations says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. I don't need a thing. I've got one thing. I've got the Lord as my shepherd. We had one of the most precious moments this week. It's a Christmas memory I'll never forget, and I have a number. But this one I will never forget. We had a service here this week, and there were some here that were not able to exchange gifts. And it was made known to me. I went immediately to their home, and we gave $100 each to each of the four children so that they could buy gifts for Christmas. And I, I wish every one of you could have been there. When I announced it, they all started crying like you wouldn't have believed. It was just a precious. I will never forget that Christmas moment. That I, representing you, could be there to give that gift. But I want to say something. If you were the recipient of those gifts or other gifts or no gifts, those gifts or any gifts will not make you content or fulfilled. There is only one who can do that. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. No matter what you will get or won't get on Christmas, if the Lord is your shepherd, you can still be content. Praise God. Praise God. Now, what does this shepherd do? There's seven things that he does for us that are plainly listed right there. And the first one is, the first thing he does for us is he makes us lie down. I love that. 
Now, for some of us, that really takes something because we're always on the go. For people who live in Atlanta, that's really saying something. Atlanta that never sleeps, that drives faster than any other city on earth. The shepherd in Atlanta can make us lie down. Hallelujah. But more than just the, the pace of our lives, this is a huge spiritual principle. When it says here, he makes us lie down, in fact, the seven things that he does for us all point to the fact that the big deal in life is not what we do for God, it's what God does for us. And to prove it, the first thing he does for us is he makes us lie down. I got this one. Leave it up to me. Your salvation is not based on anything you can do to make yourself right with God. Reading the Bible, giving your tithes, going to church, sharing Christ with your neighbors, whatever you think it is, being kind to everyone, all that is not going to make you right with God. There's only one way you get right with God, and it's through faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. Lie down, I'm telling you, lie down, and receive the free gift. He makes us lie down. In green pastures. Because sheep that have eaten in the green pastures are full, and for them to put on weight that they need, they need to lie down. It's the symbol of a content sheep. A restless sheep will never lie down. A content sheep lies down. And when the Lord is your shepherd, you can be content enough to lie down. How many of you, when you unplug, you're all nervous, you're jittery, you're checking Facebook, you're, you're texting, you just can't slow down? Anybody here like that? I guess I'm the only one. There's a few of us. Maybe that was just designed for me. Okay. Fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. Do some lying down in a clear conscience. Just unplug. What is Sabbath? I mean, hey, if there's any ever a Sabbath, it's Christmas Sunday. I mean, that's like a double Sabbath. You ought to be resting on Christmas and you ought to be resting on Sunday. So unplug and enjoy yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lie down in green pastures. He guides me beside still waters. That's where we are refreshed. Jesus said, if you drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. But I'm going to give you waters. You drink of my waters. You drink of me and you'll never thirst again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus leads us besides quiet waters. And then what? He restores our soul. Come on, folks. Let me tell you, your soul has been damaged. I don't care who you are. Your soul has been damaged. You have had times when you felt like a dirty, rotten scoundrel, where you felt like you failed your spouse, you failed your kids, like you failed everything. There's times where our dignity gets damaged. Our self-esteem is soiled. Jesus is the good shepherd who restores our soul. Hallelujah. He restores our soul. And then he, he not only restores our soul, but he guides us in paths so that our soul won't be destroyed again. He guides us in paths of righteousness. Okay, you've been saved. That's good. He made you lie down and receive salvation. He gave you the living water. He's restored your soul. Now that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you better believe that he's guiding you in paths of righteousness. Now I'm starting to preach Don. He guides you in paths of righteousness. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're still having problems with honesty, in integrity, in pornography, come on. He saved you to guide you in paths of righteousness. Don't you hang out in that old garbage. 
Let go of it. You're going to continue to destroy your soul. He guides you in paths of righteousness. You better be walking in those paths of righteousness. And it's not for your sake, for His name's sake. His name is at stake by what you live like. And then kind of the interlude of the psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's where it flips. It's the response. It's our response to the seven works of God as our shepherd. And the first response is in the negative. I will fear no evil. How would you like to live with fear as a thing of the past? No more fear. Not now, not ever. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. And I guarantee you that's not just talking about the omnipresence of God. That's talking about His manifest presence. For thou art with me, and you make your presence known to me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some have described the rod as the rod of God's Word, the, the tool of discipline to rebuke and correct and train in righteousness. The rod is the object of discipline. The rod is used by the shepherd. There are two tools of the shepherd, the rod and the staff. The rod is used at times to um, grind the scalp of the sheep to kill mites. And it's also used like a billy club to ward off uh, bobcats or to strike at uh, snakes. It's the rod of discipline. And the other is the staff some say represents the Holy Spirit, the staff of comfort. He's the comforter, the staff to touch. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead who stays in touch with us. He's the earnest of our inheritance. It's the comfort of the staff of the Spirit of God. So this guy who has the Lord as his shepherd is a person of the Word and the Spirit. The rod and the staff are comforting him. And to not only have fear as a thing of the past, but it goes on here and describes the other response. My cup overflows. The anointing of the head is done for several reasons. It's often done to keep little bugs out of the nostrils of the sheep that are harassing There's an ointment put on the head of sheep, the anointing of the head. But of course, for the followers of God, the anointing is the oil, again, of the Holy Spirit. God anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. There's an overflowing. So the first is negative, the second is positive. We go from having no fears, fear no evil, to having our cup overflowing. And the final is, the goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that amazing? To live a life with Christ as your shepherd, so that no matter where you've been, you leave behind a deposit of good, goodness and kindness, of love. 
that if you move here, you don't move until you leave a deposit of goodness and kindness. Before you take a new job, you leave behind a deposit of goodness and kindness. It will follow us all the days of our lives. And then the last great one. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Christmas is a longing for home. And here the psalm ends with home. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Now a shepherd really doesn't live inside. He lives outside. And he's used to that. But that's his home is outside. But David refers to this as the house of the Lord. Now and forever. He was referring to his current condition, but also his eternal condition. For a Christian, eternal life doesn't begin the moment we die. For us, eternal life begins the moment we trust Christ. Now think about this. This is written all about Jesus, about the shepherd. It was written in Bethlehem to be fulfilled in so many ways a thousand years after it was written. Is it any wonder that of all the peoples that he could have appeared to, the angel was sent to appear to the shepherds? To go visit the lamb that was born? He was a lamb when he was born. During his life, John the Baptist, when he first laid eyes on Jesus, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Through all eternity there will be songs to Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. But the Lamb is the shepherd. Jesus said that. Jesus is the one who wept over Jerusalem, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I see you like sheep without a shepherd. He talked about a shepherd. He said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I go before them and I call each one by name. Jesus. The shepherd became a lamb to lay down his life as a sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb, slain to redeem lost sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to our own way. But the Father laid on His Son the iniquity of us all. He was bruised for our transgressions. And by His stripes... We are healed. So that the Lamb might become the shepherd of the sheep. And that, my friends, is why the Bible refers to Jesus as the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, and the Chief Shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And on this Christmas Sunday, what a day. To take a look at Psalm 23. A gift for each of us. But this morning, if you today cannot say or you're not sure whether the Lord is your shepherd, would you take Him today?
Would you receive the Lamb sacrificed for you? The forgiveness of sins. So that the Lamb that was slain might become your Shepherd, your Lord, who will do all those things for you so that you might receive all those benefits. Would you bow your heads with me around the room? Eternal God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank You for the miracle of Christmas that the shepherd became a lamb to be sacrificed as a lamb so that He might become the shepherd for all of us lost sheep. And Jesus, today we put our faith in You as the Lamb who was slain. But behold, You live. You are alive forevermore. And You hold the keys of eternal life. And make it even more personal. Lord Jesus, right now I receive the forgiveness of sins. I receive eternal life. I crown You my Lord, my Shepherd. Thank You for making me lie down in green pastures. Thank You for guiding me beside quiet waters. Thank You for restoring my soul. And now, Lord, guide me in paths of righteousness for Your name's sake. So that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, knowing that You are with me, that Your rod and Your staff comfort me. That You do prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil so that my cup overflows. Truly, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord now and forever. Amen.